and he's weeping because no one is fit to, to open the scroll. Whatever the scroll means, I don't have time to teach all that this morning. That's not the scope of my message this morning. But whatever the scroll was, he there was no one fit to open the scroll. And John began to weep bitterly, it says. But then after we pick it up, verse 4, Revelation 5, 4 to 5. And so I, John speaking, might wept much because no one was found worthy to open or read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, what elders? These are the 24 elders that are surrounding the throne of God. And he said, do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and the root of seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, we're talking about the kingdom of God, and the other four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, the 24 elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. That's the finished book of the cross. That's a lamb that was slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. And said to the then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. We're not going to talk about the latter part this morning. That's, again, that's not the scope of my message this morning. I've talked about some of that in late in times past. But... Here's, here's John. He's seen in the midst of the throne of God, this lamb who had been slain. Jesus, the risen Lord, is sitting as a typology. A lamb has been slain. Standing, he's also uh, the lion of Judah. And I don't have time to go with all this typology. It was lion and lamb this morning. But he stood as though it had been slain. That's a picture of the finished work of the cross. Jesus had already, through the finished work of the cross, he opened the scroll, whatever the scroll was. But then, verse 9, and they, who's they? The 24 elders and the four beasts that stood be, be, around the throne of God. They, be, they, began to, they began to sing a new song. Whatever song they were singing, they just changed the music in heaven because of this lamb who had been slain, standing in the throne of God, being open to open the scroll, whatever that scroll means. And, it, and it, it, this is the song they began to sing. This is the song that the, four, the 24 elders that surround the throne of God began to sing. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us, mankind, to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us, those who he has redeemed by his blood, he's made us to be kings and priests to our God, to, that we shall reign on the earth. There's a lot that I just read here. There's a lot that we just went over real quick here. But Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, redeemed us by his blood. And he has made us kings and priests that we shall reign on the earth. There's a lot here. We're going to go into some of this over the next few weeks. But let me just continue to paint the picture. And last week we talked from Romans 5.17. It says, For if by the one man's offense, that Adam, death reigned, through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in the one, Jesus Christ. We talked about this last week, and we talked about this many times through the years. But Adam fell. Adam sinned. And through Adam's sin, he, death reigned. Death has been reigning since Adam all the way to Jesus. Death has been reigning. Adam's death reigned sickness, disease, strife, death itself. Um, and there's, there's so many different things that have that to sin. The consequence of sin is death, and and death has been reigning in life through the one Adam, through his offense, through his sin. But he says much more. 
those who receive the abundance of grace. It's not just grace. It's not just unmerited favor. It's abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is not something you earn. Righteousness is a gift. Okay? And we have this gift of righteousness. And, and Jesus is our, our righteousness. Okay? We just, we just read a minute ago. Uh, anyway, we'll go, go, we'll go into it in just a few moments. But we have a gift of righteousness. Okay? We talked a little bit about righteousness last week for our Christmas message. We'll be talking about righteousness again a little bit today in just a moment. But this son, this child who's been born to us, this, <coughs> this lamb who was slain is now sitting, standing on the throne of God. And he has redeemed us by his blood that we would be kings and priests and reign on the earth. And Paul says in Romans 5, 17, just as much as death is reigning from Adam's offense all the way to Christ, much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, when you receive this grace, you can't earn grace. If, if you can earn grace, it's not grace. That's an oxymoron. You can't earn something that's grace. You can't earn unmerited favor. You can't merit something that's unmerited. Okay? You can't earn righteousness. It's a gift. You can't earn a gift. We just celebrate Christmas. You can't earn a gift. Otherwise, it's not a gift. It's a paycheck. Okay? You can't earn... It's not a paycheck. We all deserve hell. But when we receive this abundance of grace and gifts of righteousness, we shall reign in life, in this life, and also in the life to come, through the one Jesus Christ. We don't reign... We don't have this grace. We don't have this grace or righteousness because uh, without Jesus. We have this grace and righteousness because of Jesus. And when we receive this abundance of grace, when we receive this gift of righteousness, we shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We're not reign I'm not saying I'm not saying that we are all this we're 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 reigning outside of Christ. Why are we even reigning in the first place? Because, going back to Revelation, we're reigning because he redeemed us by his blood. He redeemed us by his blood that we shall reign as kings and priests of the earth. When we, we receive this grace by his blood, his redemption through his blood, when we receive this righteousness because of the redemption of his blood, we shall reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ, who redeemed us by his blood. Okay, all this is a, pre, a prelude to what I'm getting into. I haven't even got to the heart of my message here. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just setting this up, okay? And why is all this true? Why are we the reign of life? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, Christ. It's the good news of Christ. We're not talking about the bad news of Christ. We're talking about, and we're not giving you good advice. We are giving you good news. News is not advice. News is something that already took place. Again, we're talking about, the, the, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. And it's not just any gospel. It's the gospel of Christ. For this gospel is the power of God. How many of you want to experience the power of God? <coughs> you can't have the power of God outside this good news that Jesus Christ, this child that's been born to us, this son has been given to us. He came and died and rose again. He's standing at the right hand. He's standing on the throne of God. He redeemed us by his blood. He's given us abundance of grace. He's given us gifts of righteousness that we shall reign in life. We've been destined to reign. Excuse me. But, and I'm not ashamed of this gospel. 
I'm not ashamed of Christ. For this gospel, this gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. We just spent a whole year about, <coughs> excuse me, about 10 months to be exact on talking about such a great salvation. And this gospel is the power of God to experience wholeness, to experience healing, to experience uh, prosperity, to experience um, deliverance. Why do I say that? Because the word soteria, salvation, in the Greek means wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. In the Hebrew, in the Septuagint, in the Hebrew, this word salvation, Yeshua, which is also the name for Jesus, Yeshua, means wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. Okay, and so the gospel of Christ is the power of God for healing. It's the power of God for wholeness. It's the power of God for provision. Not just finances, but also not excluding finances. Okay, you have all of heaven's resources. His peace, his joy, his goodness. Okay, and deliverance. Okay, and this power of God, this salvation is available to everyone who believes. For therein. Therein what? The gospel of Christ. That is the power of God to salvation that we believe. It, it, it's revealed to us. It reveals the righteousness of God. This gospel, this gospel, that's the power of God unto salvation, that's available to everyone who believes, reveals righteousness so that we, the just, the righteous, shall live by faith. But this gospel reveals this righteousness. And in this righteousness, going back one screen, when we receive this righteousness, we shall reign in life to the one Jesus Christ. Why? Because he redeemed us by his blood. He made us righteous by his blood to be kings and priests that we shall reign on the earth. When we receive this redemption, when we receive this grace, when we receive this righteousness, we shall be as kings and priests reigning on the earth. Okay? Why? Because as much as, as much as death has reigned, it has been reigning since Adam, to those who have not received this gift of righteousness and, and, and abundance of grace. Death is still reigning in their lives. We're not say, when I say we're the reign in the earth, or reign in life, I'm not saying we're reigning over people. No. We're reigning over the devil. We're reigning over, 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 over the, 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 the curse that's in this earth because of sin. We're reigning together. Kings, let me go back. We're reigning kings, plural. Priests, plural. I'm not more righteous than you. I'm not more holier than you. He's the king of all kings. He's the priest of all priests. He's the high priest. You're not the high king. I'm not the high king. I don't lord it over you. We all have one lord, and his name is Jesus. We all have one king on the throne. And he, he's the Lamb of God who was slain. You're not on the throne. I'm not on the throne. But if you read the scriptures and we'll eventually get there, we sit together with him on his throne. We're sitting on his lap, so to speak. We're sitting with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm not lording it over you, but I am lording it over anything that death has been reigning in my life because of Adam. Jesus reversed the curse. It says in Galatians 3, 13 to 14, that the blessings of Abraham might be on us. 
We're supposed to reign in life, not reigning over you or reigning over me. Okay? That's not what we're teaching here. But the, the gospel is the power of God to, that reveals this righteousness. It reveals what we have in this redemption so that we can reign in life. you got to put the scriptures together, okay? It's one big message, okay? Again, this is a prelude to where I'm going to. Now, we're talking about the title of this message real quick is, is Thine is a Kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom that God has here. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But going back to where we were. You know, when we talk about <coughs> the kingdom of God, let's first establish what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a realm where a king reigns. Kingdom. King dominion. Kingdom. A kingdom is where a king reigns. Can we agree with that? Even from a natural point of view. A kingdom is where a king has dominion, has reign over its territory. Whatever that kingdom, whatever the jurisdiction of that kingdom is, that kingdom has reign within that kingdom. Can we agree with that? And it says in Psalm 103 and verse 19, that the Lord, and there's only one Lord, has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. He's a king of all kingdoms. Not just his own kingdom, where we are kings and priests of that kingdom, but he, how we know he's Lord over all kingdoms. And there, there is a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But the Lord has established his kingdom in the heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. God is not fighting for victory. He's fighting from a place of victory. And he's not fighting to control you. He's Fighting to bless you, to reign and rule in your life, so that sin and death, death, and sin and sickness and death and anything that comes with that death doesn't reign in your life. He's not fighting to to control and micromanage you. He's fighting to bless you, to give you abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is right living. He, there, there's so. We'll get into that in just a few moments, but there's so much blessing, there's so much honor, there's so much prestige that comes from this kingdom of God. And not only is God ruling over all, but when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he wasn't talking to the disciples in this context, he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, uh, uh, actually here, what's here, but what I'm getting, uh, anyway, I got ahead of myself, I mixed two scriptures together, okay, sometimes that's good, sometimes they can be bad, okay, but in Luke 12, 32, he is talking to his disciples. He says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God rules over all. And Jesus says, it's your Father, the King of kings, good pleasure. It's his pleasure, not duty. It's his pleasure. It's a gift. It's grace. It's redemption to give you the kingdom. That's awesome. I mean, we just celebrated Christmas. And could you imagine underneath that Christmas tree that you got keys and it was keys to, to the kingdom, the kingdom of all kingdoms? 
It's to your Father's pleasure to give as a gift. You can't earn it. It's grace. It's a gift of righteousness to give you the kingdom. And there's only one person who has authority to do that. That's the Father. The King has authority. And it's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. In Luke 17, he is talking to the Pharisees here. It is very clear now when he was asked by the Pharisees, okay, that's a pretty key word there, when the kingdom of God would come, the Pharisees are asking a very simple question. They're trying to trap him, yes, but they're asking a question. Uh, when the kingdom of God's come, because they're all expecting the kingdom of God. If you ever watched the, the show called The Chosen, it's very loud because they're expecting the kingdom, the Romans are expecting it too. Okay? They, they, understand the script, well, they understand the scriptures to a point. They misconstrued a lot of it. But they understand it to a point. Okay? And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does, Jesus is saying, this is not the Pharisees, the Pharisees asked the question when the kingdom of God comes. And he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You can't see it with the natural eye. It's a spiritual kingdom. Okay? Nor will you be able to say, see, here it's there. Or there it's over there. See, it's here or there. You can't just, you can't see it with observation. You can't see it with natural eyes. For the, indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. We're talking about a kingdom. Let me go back a couple of screens. A kingdom that rules over all. A kingdom that your father wants to give you. A kingdom that Jesus redeemed you to be kings and priests and you're not the king, you're not the key king, you're not the key queen, ladies, okay? But so don't 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 make this all masculine here. He says in, in, in Genesis that uh, he made us male and female. Okay? And I, I don't have time to teach you all that. Okay? But anyway, um, the kingdom is the kingdom is not out there somewhere. Yes, there's a physical kingdom coming. I'm not I'm not taking away from that. But there's a spiritual kingdom, and it's already here, it's within you. And it's your Father's pleasure to give you this kingdom. This kingdom where God rules. This kingdom where the Lamb of God is standing on the throne as he was slain, redeeming you. So much that he changed the song in heaven. That he opened these scrolls, that whatever those scrolls mean, we're not going to go into that. That's not my scope for my message this morning. I'm not saying it's not important, it was important enough for John to write about it. But it's not important for us to talk about this morning because that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And the kids' kingdom of God, God wants to give you. And he wants to give it to you as a gift. So that you can reign on the earth. That you can reign in life. And it's, it's not here or there. The religious will be looking for it everywhere else. The world will be looking for it everywhere else. They can't take it away because it's spiritual. You can't, you can't attack this kingdom from, from with natural things. It's spiritual. You can't touch it. If you can't see it with observation, you can't touch it with natural things. It's spiritual. Okay? There is a phys physical king coming. We are going to get a whole new earth and a whole, a whole new heaven. I don't know what that's all going to look like. We can speculate. We can get some ideas from scriptures. But... Some of that is also not very clear, but we do know we get a new one, okay? But 
there's a kingdom that <coughs> that is already here and it's within us. It's in our hearts. It's here. The whole kingdom is here. I can't tell you, I can't fully explain all that. But the kingdom of God, if you read the book of Matthew, beginning with Matthew 13, and we're not going to go here this morning. We're going to talk about a lot of things this morning. We're going to get into a lot of scriptures this morning. Jesus spoke, in a, spoke about a lot of parables about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like. And he gave us a lot. If you read the book of Matthew especially, you can read Mark and Luke and a little bit of John on this too. But Jesus gives us a lot of parables what the kingdom of God is like. He gives us, he gives us allegories through parables to paint the picture of how the kingdom works. You know, and again, we just celebrate Christmas. Some of you probably got new devices. Maybe you got a new phone or maybe you got a new computer or, or a new gadget of some type. That gadget, that phone, can only work so far if you know how to use it. It really has no value to you if you don't know how to use the thing. You know, I'm, I'm using a computer right now and a, and a clicker. And we're using an iPad and different things to record this message. If we didn't know how to use it, you wouldn't be hearing this message right now. I, I, I'm using others, a lot of different technologies to show the, the verses on the screen. And these gadgets, these devices only work so well if I know how to use it. We have a kingdom. It's here. God wants to give it to you. He's redeemed you by his blood to redeem you as king to priest. That's already happening. He's already standing on the throne of God as the worthy lamb who was slain. He's already accomplished that. The kingdom of God is within you. But it has no value to a certain, to a certain extent if we don't know how the kingdom works. And we don't have a revelation that is here and that we have it. Hopefully I'm making sense with that, okay? But when you read when you read the whole story, not only is the kingdom of God within you, but in Colossians, Paul says that how he has, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of his son of his love. If you are born again, you are already in the kingdom of You've already been translated or conveyed from the power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of God. It has, it has already happened. If you're born again, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been translated, you've been delivered, that's salvation, that's the word salvation. You've been saved from the power of darkness, into the kingdom of his love. The kingdom of God is here. And if you're born and born again, you're already in the kingdom. You're not waiting for it to come. Is there a physical kingdom coming? Yes. It's the same kingdom. It's just going to be physical. It's not just spiritual. Okay. I know that's hard for some people to, to grasp it. Because it's just, we're talking spiritual language. That will eventually one day have a physical form. But right now, it's just spiritual. Okay? And so, 
There's only one way to get into this kingdom, and that's to be born again. You have to be born into this kingdom. How do you become born into this kingdom? That's the whole conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. We have to become born again. Peter says we are not born of corruptible seed, but we're born of incorruptible seed by the word of God. How do we do that? We receive Jesus. We're crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, it is Christ who lives. We have to receive Jesus and become born again. Okay? And uh, now, when, now, throughout in John the Baptist, just before Jesus was king, just before he started his earthly ministry, he said, he said it this way in Matthew 3 2, repent, which means to change your mind, metatonia. Change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark said the same thing. Mark. Excuse me, one second. Sorry about that. A little techno technology glitch there. Matthew, this is John the Baptist. They repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mark says the same name. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. Okay, we need to repent. We need to change our mind. The kingdom, of God, the kingdom of God is here. You know, I don't. I don't. There's some other scriptures I couldn't put on the screen. But when Jesus sent the twelve, when he sent the seventy, when he sent the church, he told us to go preach that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not here or there. The kingdom of God is here. Okay. We're not waiting for it. Is there a physical one coming? Yes, we are waiting for that one. But we are the spiritual kingdom. The true kingdom of God is already here. It's in our hearts. Okay. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and I'm not going to go through the whole Lord's Prayer, but in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, in verse 10, he says, pray, we're supposed to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Now keep in mind, I want to, uh, I, <coughs> that he taught this this while still in the Old Testament. Well, no, Pastor. Matthew is the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are the New Testament. Well, Matthew chapter 6, he hasn't gone to the cross yet. The covenant didn't start till the cross. Okay? Without the shedding of blood, there is no covenant. Okay? Again, there's a lot of scripture to back that up with. There's, I could, I, I'm okay to go with this part. That Jesus brought about a whole, there's a whole transition of covenants taking place here. Starting with the birth of Jesus. Okay. 
But, and how many of you know, if you read the Beatitudes, and this is part of the Beatitudes, Jesus is also bringing, he's introducing a whole new covenant. I mean, the whole idea that he called him Father is not something that was taught in the Old Testament. They didn't teach him as Father, even though the Son that was being given to us, was born to us, is everlasting Father. That's a whole new concept. Jesus introduced us to the, to the, the Father. And I don't want to get all caught up in this right now, even though what I'm saying is true. It's just, his kingdom is here. We're in the New Testament. But... How many of you know, even though what I just said is true, we're in the New Covenant. This is spoken in the Old Covenant, just before the New Covenant came into, into being. But how many of you know that in some of our churches, in some of our gatherings, in some of our lives, even though we are New, new Covenant believers, we're not seeing the kingdom of God. It's here. And we receive it by faith. But what I'm trying to convey is that some of us, when we read about the, what the kingdom of God is like and how it should operate, and what we see with our natural eyes and our own experience and our own lives and circles and even some of our churches, the kingdom of God that we read about and the kingdom of God that we're experiencing are two different things. Why do, why the disconnect? Why are we having a problem? Why is there an issue? And we, how many know that we, at the same point in time, those who are not born again, the kingdom of God is not there. There is no operation in the kingdom of God. And we do want the kingdom of God to expand and to be influenced in people's lives everywhere. We do want the kingdom of God to come and rule and reign in our lives as well as other people's lives where it's not reigning. Just because the kingdom of God is here, just because we've been born into the kingdom, how many of you know some of us, even though we're in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of God is here, maybe we don't have, even if we don't have a revelation of God, the kingdom of God is not reigning in our lives as the things are. We, in one sense, many of us have put the kingdom of God on a shelf, or we've never been taught about the kingdom of God, so we don't even know how to operate in it, because we've never been taught this. But other things are reigning in our lives, and not the kingdom of God, and not God. There's been times, there's times where I, in the get in the flesh, and in the moment, I'm not letting the kingdom of God reign. I'm letting my flesh, flesh reign. And... Some of you are looking at me in that tone of voice where you never, you, like you've never, you never made a mistake in your life. I'm not the only one that has weak moments. I'm not the only one that doesn't operate in the flesh from time to time. Look at Peter, for example. In one tone, Jesus said, this was revealed to you by the, not by flesh and blood, but by the Holy Spirit. In the very, almost the very next verse, he says, get behind me, Satan. Peter had a revelation that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus complimented that, saying that, that that revelation was not revealed to him by flesh and blood, but by the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus began talking about going to the cross, and Peter's like, don't go to the cross. Don't die. And Peter and Jesus had to rebuke that and said, get behind me, Satan. How many of you know that all of us, even the best of us, can be influenced 
by the devil, to be influenced by our flesh. And the kingdom of God is not reigning in that moment, in that instance, in that comment, in that, in that, in that, in that moment. Some of us need a fresh revelation. We need a revival of that the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is there. And we, some of us need to get religion out of our hearts and let the kingdom of God reign in our lives and in our churches and in our families and in our country. We're praying that God's kingdom would be expanded. It would have influence. It would have rule and reign in our lives and in our circles and in our families and in our church and in our country and in our world. We are, have the key, we are the reign in the earth. Okay? So hopefully I didn't confuse you with a lot of what I just shared. But we went on to pray in verse 13. Let me, let me spend more time here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you know that even if God's kingdom is here, we have a revelation of that? That there are some areas of our life where God's will is not being done? How many know sickness is not God's will? Sickness is not God's will. Divorce is not God's will. Now, I understand in some cases because there's been abuse and different things where divorce is necessary. But that's still, that abuse was not God's will. The whole thing, of the, and I can go on so many different directions with this. Lack is not God's will. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. We're not supposed to be struggling. Okay? With different things. But we need God's will to be done on earth as it already is in heaven. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm just trying to make sure I've set this up enough. For example, let me, let me go this way. In Revelation 21, this is near the end of the book. And it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain. Well, the former things have passed away. This is what heaven is supposed to be like. This is not the only thing about heaven. But one aspect about heaven is that there's no more dying there. There's no more sorrow there. There's no more crying and pain there. How I many know there's people in the church and also in the world that are experiencing all these things? Am I making, making sense? God, when we're praying, God will be done on earth as in heaven, that we should be able to get to a place where there is no more of this going on in our midst. And I'm not saying, you know, in one sense, until Jesus comes, yes, we're all going to die, but I don't think we all have to die because of sickness. I think we can just die, and when, when our time is to go, it's come, we can just die naturally in our sleep, or whatever that might be. Painless. Without crying. I'm not saying there won't be sorrow because we will we'll miss the person. Okay? But for that person, they're going to, they're going to glory. <laughs> okay? And, again, I don't want to go too, too deep with this. Let me paint another picture. And Peter, whom having not seen your love, though, now, 
Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy and expressful and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith and salvation of your souls. There's a lot here. I don't have time to develop, develop those like I want to. But not only is there no more crying and sorrow and death and pain, but there is joy inexpressible that's full of glory. We should, we the redeemed of the Lord of all people should have this inexpressible joy because the kingdom of God is here. I know we might be going through things. This world is not redeemed. We are redeemed and we are still in a broken world. But we, the people of God, should have an inexpressible joy. See, when we're not having joy, among many other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, we've lost sight that the kingdom of God is here. And we are focused on the downward pull of this world, and we are not focused on the kingdom of God in that moment. Because we're allowing the circumstances, we're allowing the things of this world to reign in our thoughts and emotions. We can't control people, but we can let the kingdom of God control our emotions and our attitudes and our faith and our joy of all things. Am I making sense? Okay? But Jesus went on to pray in the Lord's Prayer. He concluded by saying, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours, thine, is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. How many of you know it's his kingdom? It's not our kingdom. He's a king of all kings, and he's a lord of all lords. But how many of you know we are also redeemed by his blood to be kings and priests of the, in the kingdom of God? And we'll get into explaining that more in detail as we go forward. But his is the kingdom. And, and, and all this talk about talking about the kingdom of God is here, and we've been redeemed by his blood to reign in the earth. I am nowhere here, way, shape, or form trying to magnify man. I'm magnifying Jesus. Okay? I'm not saying it's our kingdom, that we've earned it. We're masters over people. But because the kingdom of God is here, there are certain circumstances in my life I can command by the Word of God to line up to the Word of God, to the Kingdom of God. And we're going to get into some of that in just a moment. Okay? But it's His kingdom. His is the kingdom. We're supposed to pray. Your is the kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's something we're supposed to pray. And how many of you know, when Jesus taught us to pray... He didn't teach us to pray something and we don't expect it to happen. How many you know when Jesus... Why, do you know one, one of the reasons why the disciples asked Jesus to pray? Because they saw him pray. And they saw him pray. When he prayed, things happened. The wizard, and when, when they saw Jesus pray, things happened. How many of you know those disciples, they, whenever Jesus prayed for something, they expected it to happen too. Because they never saw their master, their king, pray for anything and it didn't happen. And when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we should expect it to come and we should expect his will to be done. It should change our expectation. 
Some of us, we have prayed this only as a religious old covenant prayer instead of seeing the kingdom of God manifest in our lives. That's wrong. That's not faith. That's called unbelief. When you pray something and you don't expect it to happen, then you're just being religious praying something, not expecting anything to change. That's called unbelief. When we pray something, we should expect the answer. We should expect a resolve. We should expect something to change. Jesus didn't teach us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done, and nothing change. He didn't pray us, tell us to pray the Lord's Prayer, even this, the, the meanest times of temptation, and deliver us from the evil work. We're not supposed to pray that and expect it not to happen. It's a kingdom. How many of you know if the king says anything? He expects results. In natural kingdoms, if you disobey the king, you could be you could be executed. That's how serious the kingdom went. We're gonna get into this in later later weeks talking about the scepter of the king. And we'll be talking about how the scepter of his of his kingdom is called righteousness. We'll get into that later. That's not we're not gonna go into that this week. But God's kingdom, God's will is supposed to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should be expecting it. Why? Because the king spoke. The king ordered it and decreed it. Okay? How are we doing the time? Okay. We're doing okay. So we, we're supposed to pray his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as in heaven. Remember, we've already been translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We are already in the kingdom. So in that sense, we're not praying for the kingdom to come in that sense, but we are praying for God's kingdom to come in the sense that we get a revelation of it. That makes sense? We're already in the kingdom. We've already been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom is different. If we're born again, we're already in the kingdom. So you can't pray for something to come when you're already in it. <laughs> that makes sense? At the same point in time, just be, how many know, have you ever talked to somebody? And they're there, they're physically there, you can see them, you can touch them, but they're not listening to you. They're there, but they're not there. I don't know where they're at, but they're, they're thinking about what happened this week, or you're thinking about something that's going to happen, they're thinking about what the doctor said, they're thinking about this or that, or, or the movie they just saw, or whatever the case may be, Okay. How many know you can be there but not there? And how many know the kingdom of God is here, but we don't have a revelation. We're living like it's not. We're operating. We're thinking. Everything we're perceiving. We're, 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 we're living life as we're, we're still waiting for it to come when it's still here. And when we pray his kingdom come, it's what we've done in earth and heaven. First of all, we need to get a revelation. We're already in the kingdom. And that making sense. If not God didn't leave, we did. And when we start getting a revelation that we're in the kingdom, and then it's here, we can start doing something about his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. We can still pray that, but I'm going to take it a little step further. Remember, again, that his kingdom is overall. He's already established his kingdom in heaven. 
And when we pray, his kingdom come on earth, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many know God's will is already being done in heaven? <coughs> there's, no, there's no delay between he says it and it happens. But there's a delay here. And he's already ruling the world. Remember, he's already redeemed us by his blood. All, I'm sorry, excuse me. Right back. He's already standing in the throne. He's already, he's already died for us to the cross. He's already redeemed us by his blood. And he's already made us kings and priests that we rule on the earth. That's not something he's going to do. That's something he's already done. Jesus is standing on the throne of God and he hasn't left. He's the king. Thine is the kingdom. That's what we're talking about. Why? Because he's already died. He died once and he died for all. He's not doing it again. He doesn't need to. Okay? He's already changed the sign of heaven that says we are redeemed. We need to understand what that is, folks. I'm not ashamed of this gospel that he redeemed me. That it's the power of God unto salvation. This gift of righteousness, this, 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 this abundance of grace that we can reign in life as kings and priests that we're destined to. We're destined to because he redeemed us to reign. We're supposed to be reigning. He's already done it. He's not worried out waiting for him to do it. He's already done it. That's what the 24 elders and the four beasts around the throne of God right now are singing the song. They've been singing the song since Jesus ascended to heaven and rose again. They've been singing this. The 24 elders around the throne of God, thine is the kingdom. The, 20, the four beasts, the four living creatures, are singing this song before the throne of God that he redeemed us by his blood and made us kings and priests out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And we have a lot of nations watching this video right now. Okay? We, there's so much more that we're supposed to be experiencing because of this grace. And it's an abundance. Because of this gift. This child that's been born to us. This son who's been given to us. The government is on his shoulders, it says. Speaking of this wonderful counselor. This mighty God. This everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace that we have received because of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. I just quoted you what we started with, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. We're supposed to be reigning in life, folks. And some of us are allowing life to reign over you. How many of your life is tough? There's a lot of problems in our world. Just go on Facebook, just watch the news. Some of you look at your own bank accounts or what the doctor said. Some of you just got together for, for the holidays and 
Some of you it was good. Some of you, you've had nothing but arguments. Some of you can't get along with certain people, or maybe a lot of people, or whatever the case might be. You're letting life reign over you instead of you reigning over life. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's backwards. That's not God's will. That, that's not God's kingdom reigning in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, in your body. We're supposed to reign in life through Jesus Christ. You can't reign in life without Jesus. You take Jesus out of the equation, life will reign over you. The whole reason why we're in this kingdom, because he redeemed us by his blood, and he made us to be kings and priests to reign in the world. Reign in. How many know the earth is filled with his glory? The earth, when you read the earth in, in scripture, especially the poetic, I mean the, the prophetic scriptures in scripture, the earth is talking about people, it's talking about the world. And the earth, we are earthen vessels, jars of clay, filled with his glory. I'm paraphrasing a lot what I just said from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay? But how many of you know again that the kingdom of heaven is here? It is here. Why? Jesus brought it. Yes. Is this coming from John the Baptist? But he said, change your minds, repent. Because the kingdom of God Jesus brought the kingdom of God. And it hasn't left. Okay? He also said, the kingdom of God is not here or there. It's not with observation. But it's within us. I, again, I'm going over some scriptures again. Now I want to switch the tone a little bit. Everything I just said is true. But we're going to take it to another level here. In Matthew chapter 16, and now also 18, but he begins in verse six, chapter 16. I'm going to pick it up in verse 19. And Jesus says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This is awesome. Not only is the kingdom of God here, not only is our Father's pleasure to give us the kingdom, not only are we supposed to pray that the kingdom of God come and it will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Have you ever had keys to something? When someone gave you, when you bought a car or someone gave you a car, you now have authority to drive that car. To enter that car anytime you want. As long as you have gas in the tank and all the instruments that are working, you can drive that car. If you have a house, you can enter that house anytime you want. You can lock that house up anytime you want. Maybe you don't have a house, but you have an apartment. Okay? Maybe you just have a room in a hotel or motel. You can go into your room anytime you want. You can lock the door anytime you want. You have a key. Maybe you have a safe deposit box in the bank or something. You have a key. Maybe you have a password to your computer or your phone. 
You can operate that phone, that device, anytime you want. You can put a password up that keeps people, other people locked out. When you have a key to something, a key means you have authority or power to open or close something that is locked. There have been several jobs through the years where I was given the keys. I remember I worked at, uh, for the city of Brea in Orange County, and I had keys to the community center that was a multi-million dollar facility. We had a lot of meeting rooms. We had a whole fitness gym in there. Uh, we had a, lot, a whole basketball court in there. We had a lot of different things. I had even, there was even other buildings throughout the city that we had meeting rooms, and I was given the keys to all of these buildings in the city. I felt like I mean, I, I had a lot of responsibility with that key. I could not abuse that. I could not hand those keys out to just anybody. I had to make sure when I left, I locked the facility, set the alarms when the alarms were, were needed. I could enter, I could exit. I had responsibility, I had authority. I had responsibility for that. I had to make sure those keys were safe and not just given to anybody. I had a responsibility to unlock doors when they were supposed to be unlocked. I had a responsibility to close and lock doors when they were supposed to be locked. There's some different businesses that I work as in the management, several different ones where I've given keys to unlock the whole store, all, those, all of that merchandise, giving keys to the safe or giving keys to um, uh, the manager's office or where the money room was. I had a lot of responsibility. And some rooms where it was under higher security because of the, the electronic devices. There were some stores, even at Target, I was only I was given access to, to our code and some of their computer devices. Only uh, only a select few of the even employees, not all the employees had access to all some things I had access to. Keys are powerful. Keys mean you have authority and power that maybe someone else or a lot of people doesn't have. And Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of all kingdoms. With great power comes great responsibility. We have keys. Keys unlock things. Keys lock things. Okay? And I can go on and on about this, about the keys. And, but he says, he goes on, he's going to say, whatever you bind, or lock, I mean, or bind, lock, excuse me, on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. We have the keys. Whatever we bind or loose will also be done in heaven. And we're, we've been given the keys to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a lot of power here. We've been redeemed by his blood to be kings and priests of this kingdom. That he says to my father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And not only do we have the kingdom, we have the keys to the kingdom. It's his kingdom. It was given as a gift. And we didn't earn it. It was given to us by grace. 
We were redeemed by his blood. He invested his blood. He shed his blood to give us this kingdom and his kingdom. I'm just trying to paint a picture. I'm trying to make how powerful this is, how awesome this is. And we read over verses, over, we just glance over some of these verses. Do you understand how powerful this is? To have the keys of the kingdom. I mean, there were some of these jobs when I got the keys. I just looked at those keys for a while. How awesome those keys were. Because I knew how many billions Millions and billions of dollars were behind that. Sometimes in merchandise. Sometimes just the property value of that building. That I was given the honor and the trust to hold the key. Okay. And when I left those jobs, guess what? One of the first things I had to surrender. The key. I couldn't just take it home anymore. I worked at a bank. I was given keys to different things, including the vault. Now, some banks had a double key system where I couldn't just get in there on my own. I had to have someone else who had that other key, too. And we had two keys to open certain things. They had one. They couldn't get in there by, without me, and I couldn't get in there without them. We both had a key. Okay. He echoes the same thing, especially this latter part in Matthew 18. And in Matthew 18, he's talking a lot about church discipline. He's talking after this, after this, this reference. Let me take it off the screen real quick because you guys are going to read it. He, he talk, Jesus, Peter asked, how many times do we forgive? 70 times, 70, seven times a day. And Jesus said, 70 times 7. And then he goes into the, 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 the parable of the unmerciful uh, servant who was unmerciful. So he's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about mercy. Before this passage of scripture that we're going to read, Jesus talks about the, the, uh, the how the, he'll leave the 99 and go after the one. And he talks about church discipline, how if someone offends you, you first go to that person. And you can't resolve it with that person. Then you go and bring someone else along, a mediator. And you can't do, resolve it there. Then you go and bring uh, tell, tell the church. And the, the, the whole protocol of how this happens. A lot of people, once they get offended, they go right to step three, and they don't they bypass going to the person, person first. And they make a big mess that could have been resolved if they had just gone to the person and got it resolved. I mean, I'm not, I'm not teaching on this this morning, but in 2 Corinthians, Paul, Paul confronts the church because he says, you're taking people to court when you should be resolving these things in, in the church. And Paul, he makes, a, he makes a statement, I speak this to your shame. Some of you are don't have, you're so immature, and those are my words, that you're not resolving matters the way we should be in the church. We don't have authority in the world to solve those matters, but we do have authority in the church to forgive one another and resolve one offenses among one another. Anyway, that's not my message this morning. But in Matthew 18, the whole chapter is surrounded by this uh, dealing with offense and forgiving one another. Okay? And in the middle of that, there's three or four verses. And, and one of those verses that we, we, we talk about prayer a lot, where two or more gather, wherever 
when whether two more gather, he's in the midst of us. Prayer. But this whole prayer and this whole thing about the kingdom of God is right in the middle of the sandwich of him talking about forgiveness. And how we resolve what this is. And he says, And surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. He just said that two chapters earlier. Okay? But he says it again in the midst of, he talks about how we are to give and show mercy to one another, and how we handle conflict. Okay? So there's something that, and this is not my message this morning, but how do you know some conflict needs to be bound, and some forgiveness needs to be loosed? We need to bind our offenses, and we need to loose mercy. That's the context of Matthew 18. But he also said it earlier, so I can also use it to other circumstances too. Okay? I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you may ask, it will be done for them by the bottom. A lot of us have quoted this last verse. In the whole context, he's talking about forgiveness and mercy. How I many of you know you can't agree on something if you're fighting with one another? And there's a lot of fighting going on in some churches. There's a lot of fighting going on in some families. That's not my message this morning, but that's in the context here. So I have to shine a little bit of light to that. But let me get back to my message. Whatever we bind will be bound. Whatever we lose will be loose. He said it twice. Okay? Different contexts, similar context because it's within two chapters of each other. But, how, but anyway, but we have keys. And we have keys not only to bind and loose some things, but we also have keys to forgive one another and show mercy and goodness and grace to one another. Am I, am I making sense with that? Okay? But this whole binding and loosing, he says it twice. But also in Matthew 12, he says, I will, uh, Matthew 12, but if I cast out the demons by the Spirit of God, he's, he's talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees just thought Jesus was demon possessed. The Pharisees were accusing Jesus of casting out demons by Satan. So they were casting Satan. They were accusing him of casting Satan out by himself. Anyway, that doesn't make sense. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a straw man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the straw man and then he will plunder his house? I'm going to come back to this last part in just a moment. But, He says almost the same thing in Mark 3.27. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man and then he will plunder his house. So he says the same thing almost twice here. About, again, the last part of what I just read in Matthew. How can a man enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds them? This word bind is the same word bind that was used here. Okay, in Matthew 16, and also in Matthew 18, the same word bind, bind, okay? Hopefully I'm not confusing you. Let me, let me make my point now. Remember, keys 
Because in Matthew 16, he uses, he uses this word bind again, but he talks about how we have the keys of the kingdom. Keys means we have authority to, to lose things, to unlock things, or to lock things. When Jesus had his ministry, how many of you know Jesus was doing a lot of miracles? He was healing a lot of people. And he was casting out a lot of devils. Demons. But Jesus didn't bind the strong man by yelling at him. I don't see Jesus having any yelling matches at the devil. But he was spoiling, he was plundering, he was spoiling his house in great numbers, in great, in great volume. How I many you know that every time Jesus heals somebody, every time Jesus touched someone's life, he just plundered the straw man's house? Okay? Jesus didn't do it because he won a yelling match. He didn't do it because he won some doctoral debate. He didn't do it by the strife. And yet Jesus was plundering the back of the straw man. Because why? And he can't, he, he, can't, he can't plunder, he can't spoil the straw man unless he first binds the straw man. How did Jesus plunder the straw man and how did he bind him? If he wasn't yelling are doing spiritual warfare as many people teach it today. And I'm not making fun of people. I want to do it how Jesus did it. Because Jesus got results. And he didn't have to have some spiritual contest or warfare, as we call warfare. There was war, don't get me wrong. But he did it with authority. How I many you know when you have keys, you don't have to break a window? You don't have to vandalize the place. You don't have to fight to get into your hotel room. If you, as long as you have a key, that card, you can get in and out. <coughs> okay? And so, see, when man fell, Adam sinned, through sin, Satan began to have authority in people's lives. Through sickness, through pain, through lack, through strife, through every evil work. So, sin gives the devil authority in our lives. Because through death, sin, through manifest death, the reign. But much more, those who receive the gift of righteousness, the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, and the reign of life to the one Jesus Christ. So if sin gives Satan authority, righteousness binds him. Righteousness binds him. See, again, through one man's offense, death reigns, but much more those who receive the abundance of grace and get the rightful reign in life. He also says that we've been redeemed by his, in the midst of the throne, as the Lamb of God has already been slain, he's redeemed us by his blood, and he's made us to be kings and rulers. A king does not have to fight as authority. 
We've been given keys to this kingdom. And we've been given the right to reign on the earth. Why? Because of this grace, this righteousness, this blood that redeemed us as kingdom priests. See, Jesus said this, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world, he's talking about Satan, is coming, and he has nothing in me. Satan had nothing on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was righteous. And that righteousness gave him authority. We're going to talk about this later week, but righteousness is the foundation of his throne. He has a scepter of righteousness. He's called the king of peace and the king of righteousness, Hebrews chapter 7. Okay. Righteousness leaves Satan powerless. Sin gives Satan authority in our lives. But righteousness leaves him powerless. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. In this gospel, that is the power of God unto salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed. And the righteousness is what binds the strong man. If you put these scriptures together, if you put the gospel together, if you put the message together, righteousness is what gave Jesus authority, not not a yogi match. Okay? Jesus, if you read the scriptures, he brought captivity captive. Jesus bound the strong man and he loosed the prisoners. He wasn't yelling at him. Jesus didn't have to yet. When Jesus died and he went to hell and he had the keys of death and the grave, he didn't have to yell. He had the keys. He had the power. He had righteousness. The devil was bound. And he spoiled his house. He plundered his house. And he did that by healing people. He did that by doing miracles. He had authority over the wind. He had authority over the waves. He had authority to multiply the loaves and the fish. He had authority over the fig tree. He had authority over sickness. He had authority over all the works of the devil because he was righteous. Okay? Righteousness trumps triumphs over sin. And we have the same righteousness in Jesus Christ. And we have the keys of the kingdom. Okay? We, but we need to grasp who we are in Christ. We need a revelation of who we are in Jesus Christ. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament that say who we are in Jesus. Philemon says it this way, verse 6, that the communication, the koinonia of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging 
of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Your faith becomes effectual when you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to get there in just a moment. I'm going to get ahead of myself. The communication of faith becomes effectual. Your faith becomes effective when you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. And one of the things that you have in Christ Jesus, over 300 scriptures, is that you are the righteous of the God in Him. There's a lot of things I can talk about of what we have in Christ that we need to acknowledge. Your faith becomes effectual when you acknowledge Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And one of those good things, my friends, is that we might be made the righteous God in Him. That's a good thing. And we need to acknowledge we are the righteous of God in Him, that our faith can become effectual. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For therein is the right of God revealed from faith to faith for the just shall live by his faith. That the communication of your faith becomes effectual. How does your faith, how do you go from faith to faith? You get a revelation of this righteousness. How do you get a revelation of this righteousness? You hear the gospel. That's the power of God. And when you under, I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God. It's the power of God to walk on water. It's the power of God to, to cast out devils. It's the power of God to, to loose and to bind. It's the key. I have the keys of the kingdom. I have power in this gospel. Not my own power, not my own kingdom, not to do my will, but to do his will. And to spoil the strong man's house. How do I bind the strong man? How do I bind the devil? Because of a yelling match? No. Because of righteousness. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Not anything I've done. I'm righteous. I have authority. I have keys because of Jesus. And I'm a king and I'm a priest in his kingdom. Not because of my own merit, not because of something I've done, but because of what he's done. I've been redeemed, and I have keys. I don't have authority because of what I've done. I have authority because of what Jesus did. It's the gospel of Christ. It's not the gospel of Dave or anyone else. It's the gospel of Jesus, and that's the power of God. And I, it, it reveals... I, I, it reveals the righteous God so that I can live from faith to faith that the communication of my faith can become effectual as I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus and I am righteous in him and I live when we receive much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life I live by faith I reign by faith I live by faith I'm a my faith is effectual because I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. See, I need to wrap this up a little over. See, we don't win over the devil over some verbal assault. I'm not saying we don't use our words. I'm not saying we don't speak poorly. But it's not some verbal assault. We don't win because of some yelling match. 
We win because we have a confident assurance who lives in us. We don't win because of some yelling match. We don't win because of some doctrinal debate. We win because we have a confident assurance of who lives in us. Paul said it this way, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith. The whole point of the gospel is that I'm crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live. I die. I'm a new creation of God in Christ Jesus. I'm born again. I'm born of God. I'm righteous. And this, you might say, Dave, you're not righteous. No, I'm not. But he is. I'm the righteous God in him. And I'm crucified. It's Christ who lives in me. And who of you is going to say, Jesus who's in me is not righteous? We can do miracles. We can do exploits in his name because Jesus is in us. Nothing is impossible for God because nothing is impossible with Jesus. And I'm not without Jesus. Jesus and his kingdom is inside of me. See, because Jesus, because I walk by faith, because Jesus is inside of me, I can bind the strong man. And I can plunder his house. And because I'm plundering the spoils of the strong man's house, the devil, I can plunder. This, when we plunder, what does plundering look like? It means the sick are healed. It means the addicted are free. It means the dead are raised. And it means all heaven's resources are released. Because I have the keys. I have the keys of the kingdom. I have the keys of the kingdom to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I have the keys of the kingdom to say, you don't have to live that way anymore in sin. You can be free from sin and live a good, wholesome life. I have keys of the kingdom means I also have keys to the treasury. If you need something and all I have is a boy's lunch to feed thousands of people I can multiply the loaves and the fish and make sure no one goes home hungry. And we have baskets left over. I can say go Peter, go put out your line for a fish You'll find a coin in the fish's mouth. Go pay your debts. I can go to someone like Peter and go to their business and say, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they get such a boat sinking, net breaking load of fish that they can go pay off their debts. I can go to the woman like the widow's oil to go gather all the jars you need and go sell the oil and pay off their debts and live off the rest. We have 
heaven will be released because we have the keys of the kingdom. It didn't say, I didn't pray, Lord, my will be done. As earth as heaven knows, your will will be done. Because thine is the kingdom. But he told us to be blessed to be a blessing. And we can be blessed. And it was in the context of Jesus talking about, don't worry about what you think. Worry about what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, or what you're going to eat. For your father knows what you need. It was in that context of Luke when Jesus said, It's to my father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. We shouldn't have to worry about the things that your father, your father already knows that you need them. We are free to spoil the devil's house. And set the captives free. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. His is the kingdom. And we have the keys. Whatever we bind is bound. And whatever we loose is loose. Jesus said it and that settles it. He gave us the keys. There's no argument. There's no debate. There's no yelling match. I just simply have the keys. I don't have to go and yell at my neighbors to come and go walk in my house. I just use the keys and unlock the door and walk in. And when I leave, I use the keys to lock the door and walk out and nobody can come in. Why? I have the keys. God gave me the keys of the kingdom. Uh, hopefully you get that. Because we have what we, in us, we have... My battery's going to run out, so hopefully I get through this. But, there we go. In you, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm not going to spend time on this right now. I just want to know, in you, you have a hope. And you have a living hope that's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I want to close with this. Paul prayed a prayer. I don't you know, I can spend a lot of time with it. But we have an inheritance. In Jesus Christ. And Paul prayed, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation when I'm trying to teach this morning. And that the eyes of your understanding will be opened. And that you may know what is the hope of his calling, not my calling, his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the same? He has inheritance. God has invested into you. He's made an investment. And God's investments always have a return. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And what all this investment, all this inheritance. All this power is according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, the Lamb that's standing in the midst of the throne of the Jewish name, redeeming us by his blood, far above all principality. Far above all principality. I don't care what devil you're talking about. He's, he's, he's giving such an inheritance 
When Jesus was raised from the dead, that, that, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living and working in you. You have access to that same power. You have access to that same inheritance. That's far above any principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, I don't care what it's called, COVID or whatever it might be called, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. He's put all things under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's you and me. Who are born again. That have the keys of the kingdom. Which is who by the fullness of him. The fullness of his kingdom. That fills all in all. And because we have this. Because it's all under our feet. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, brings us gospel, who proclaims peace. You have turmoil in your body? I'm here to proclaim peace. You have turmoil in your finances and relationships? I'm here to proclaim peace. I'm here to bring glad tidings of good things. And I'm here to proclaim salvation, wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. And say to you, Zion, the church of God, that our God reigns. Why? Because thine is the kingdom. Thine is the glory. Thine is the honor and the power. Okay? I'm here, you know, you are, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Jesus taught us that. Because thine is the kingdom. We have the keys of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is here. Repent. Change your mind. Because the kingdom of God is here. Repent and hear and believe the gospel. Psalm 65, 11 is not this. Psalm 65, 11 is this. It says, You're you crown the year. Happy New Year's. With your goodness. Crown. Kingdom. He's crowned the year with goodness. And your paths, they drip with abundance. Why? Because, I don't, it should have been on here, because thine is the kingdom. And the glory. And the honor. And the power. Nothing, nothing, my friends, is impossible to him who believes. Awesome message. We'll get, we'll get back to this. We'll, we'll elaborate on some of this over the next few weeks as we talk about your dying is the kingdom. We have an awesome kingdom. We have an awesome inheritance. We have an awesome. We are, so much of us, including myself, are living too far low to what God has provided us in Jesus Christ, this kingdom. We have a whole kingdom. We have the keys. And we are, there's something, uh, let me just quote this last thing I had in my notes. I forgot to read it. We don't have to live beggarly lives on earth and wait for heaven to begin experiencing the benefits of salvation. Many of us are living beggarly lives. We're living like begs. We're living like poor in the church mouse. Not just with finances, but also with health issues and other issues. Thinking that we're living under the thumb of the government. 
got the whole kingdom. Look at the apostles. Look at the prophets. Look at Daniel and Joseph. Look at others like David and whatever. They didn't live under the thumbprint of the government. They didn't cause a revolt, but they did cause a revival. Okay, there's a difference. They did re they did obey God and not man, but they didn't do it revolting against people. They did bring a revolution, but it wasn't a revolt. Big difference. Okay. And I'm not saying there's not a time to fight. I'm not saying there's not a time to do things. But we're a different people. And we pray for boldness. We pray for wisdom of how to do what God's called us to do. And we have a kingdom. And, we're, and when we serve God in God's kingdom, heaven will back you up. Heaven will back you up. Heaven will, heaven will defend you more than you can ever defend yourself. Okay. And if you die doing what God's called you to do, you win either way. You can't lose. But if you die doing it your way, getting in the flesh, then you're on your own with that. That's not my major point I'm trying to make. But we don't have to live beggarly lives. The kingdom of God is here. Because Zion is the kingdom. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Have a great new year. And we'll see you throughout the year. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you.